Hello, everyone. I am Sir Crush Velvet. And I am Sub Corbin Curio. And, and this, this is, is the, the Harlequin, Harlequin Drinking, Drinking Game. Game. To start, a uh, alcohol... Safety disclaimer. Yes. We don't condone unsafe drinking or alcohol poisoning, and so if one of us starts slurring our words or feels uncomfortable with being any drunker than they already are, they are completely free to switch to water at any time. Now, last time we started on uh, the Harlequin Blaze Lines Body Contact by Rebecca York. Um, and we read a very interesting chapter that gave us some uh, decent insight into the characters and the, the relative motivations of the characters. And we also found out uh, various things about uh, their personalities in general. There was also an incredibly rushed sex scene that... Gave both of us whiplash. Gave both of us whiplash and was 100% coerced. Mm, yes. Yeah. So basically, uh, the two main characters need to attempt to look like they are madly in love so that they can safely get onto this island so that... Uh, the can female save. love interest yeah. can clear her conscience. <laughs> That's basically what it is. So um, do stick with us, dear listeners, while we proceed to read this heterosexual tragedy. Chapter two. The idea of putting on the skirt and blouse that she'd taken off so provocatively a oh little while ago made Maddie's stomach knot, so she was thankful that the outfits Jack had picked for Orchid Island had already been sent up to the Winston guest suite. Before getting into the shower, she picked something that was as buttoned up as she could find, a pair of beige slacks and an ivory silk blouse. She completed the outfit with low heels, then pulled her hair, pulled back her hair and secured it at the, at the neck with a mother-of-pearl clip. Taking a deep breath, she stepped from the bathroom, but Jack was nowhere in sight. Fifteen minutes later, she was still waiting for him as she paced nervous, nervously across the room, her footsteps muffled by the rich oriental carpet. Oh, for the love of God. Why is it always an oriental carpet? Because that's the most exotic, and I use that word very sarcastically. That's the sexiest thing they can think of? It's the most exotic thing they can think of that a rich man would have. For the love of God. Surely it wasn't taking him this long to dress. So where was he? Was he trying to postpone their meeting as long as possible? They'd made love for the first time less than an hour ago. Stop calling it that. You you and I both agree that making love is different from having sex. But making, making love, love is, is very much so a relationship thing. Making love is sweet and tender. And happens when you are in love you just met you barely know you barely know this man you did not just meet him but you barely know him you you said that yourself they made love for the first time less than an hour ago under circumstances that had started off like a male power trip well she um she admitted it then dot 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 <laughs> Then everything had suddenly changed from stark and sterile to warm and wonderful. Until the Where? end. Until the end, that is. 
after her mind-blowing climax. I'm sorry, there's no way in hell she had a mind-blowing climax. She did not. With two minutes of mediocre fucking. After not being prepped at all. After zero foreplay. The love of God. When Jack had climbed out of bed and walked away from her as if the whole thing had really just been just a training exercise. A what now? A training exercise. Baby girl, please remember that you are his boss. The sound of the door opening made her jump. She wanted to clench her hands at her sides. Instead, she moistened her lips and turned. <laughs> Should we drink for that? Yeah. Here we go. First drink oh God, of the day. This tastes really good. Uh, the drink tonight is Mike's hard peach lemonade mixed with Sprite. And it is very good. Corbin convinced, convinced me that we should get it. And um, yeah. I stand by Peach Fuzz this Mike's was a, This was a good idea, you fruit. Jack was standing at the other end of the room, his face a study in composure as he looked her up and down. Ugh. I see you found the clothing I had sent over from Saks. Yes. That's the most conservative outfit in the lot. He commented, instantly picking up on the significance of her choice. <laughs> it's comfortable, she answered mildly, noting that he looked entirely comfortable himself in the tailored slacks and white shirt he had been wearing earlier. Why Walk is he wearing the same thing that he was wearing before they fucked? Walk of shame. Crisply, he said, I'm sorry I kept you waiting. I was gathering up the files we need and ordering dinner. Mm. I hope steak, baked potato, and salad are all right. That is literally... What we just had for dinner. I mean, that that's not what I meant... This is literally the driest um, choice he could have possibly made. Also, yeah, we just went on a date and, like, we had, um, we split um, a steak, some potatoes, and the most wonderful Caesar salad. God, that shrimp was so good. That anyway. shrimp. Ugh. Anyway. You could stop horny for shrimp. Thank you. Fine, she answered. Technically, as security chief, she should have been the one to do the ordering, although she had <laughs> completely forgotten about dinner. But it seemed Jack Connors had made himself perfectly at home in her domain. She flicked a glance at his face, then looked quickly away, thinking that he was probably an excellent poker player. She couldn't <laughs> even catch a hint of what was going of what was behind those green eyes of his. Also, something that is that will forever irk me about Harlequins. They are constantly mentoring the mentioning the color of the main character's eyes right the dark eyes the the fucking... the violet eyes there's one book where the bitch has violet eyes and every fucking time sir crush makes the joke of does she not get periods yeah because of the fucking what was it called alexandritis that you, you guys tumblr meme you guys definitely know that tumblr meme otherwise you wouldn't be here <laughs> You know the anyway. one you know you know the one that we all saw and that we all envied where it's like, yeah, these people, this is a rare biological condition. These people only get hair on their eyebrows, their eyelashes, and their and their head, and they don't have periods. But they're fertile. But they're fertile. 
and we and and literally baby baby trans sir crush looked at that and went oh my god i don't want periods all she knew was that a good bout of sex left him hungry <laughs> judging by the <laughs> judging by the meal he just described he crossed the t- he crossed to the table and set down several folders. I've got a CIA dossier on Reynard, a map of the island, background on some of his visitors, and a dossier on myself. You need to memorize that so you can rattle off facts like when I graduated from Georgia Tech. <laughs> okay. We'll keep the facts as close to the truth as possible to make it easier for us both to remember what our stories are supposed to be. Wait, I'm sorry, is he mansplaining the drop to her? Yes. She is his boss. Should we have drinking for mansplaining? No, then we would get drunk. That's Very a... drunk. Very quickly. V- yes. And again, we have decided that we're not drinking for whatever stupid shit the man does. Because right. Except for infantilization, because that one's just too exclusive and gross and cringy to ignore yeah but like literally the entire point of harlequins is that they are misogynistic as all fuck but they're still so wonderful to me Uh. that was a little too good (laughs) georgia tech that's where you went to school yeah on on a scholarship but you can read up on that after you go home tonight. And I need similar information on you. I can start with your personnel file, but I'll probably need more details. Okay. Like whether I get menstrual cramps? <laughs> she snapped. Excuse me? Yeah, like that. Do you? What? She wished she hadn't come back with the snappy retort. Occasionally, she muttered. What? I'm sorry, is she embarrassed? Since you brought up the subject, what about PMS? What? Do your breasts get tender? What? Are they more sensitive then? What? She shot him a warning look. That's none of your business. I beg to differ. (laughs) Then beg. Everything about you is my business. Dude. You've been my mistress for over a year. I need to know if you're bitchy before your period. Or, <laughs> no, it's about to get worse. No. Or if it juices you up. If makes, it what? Makes you more eager for sex. Oh. I'm drinking. Okay, sure. And that's not because, you know, one of the rules was hit. It's literally just... That was disgusting enough for me to need to drink. Yeah. Both. She snapped. (laughs) You seem tense, he observed dryly. Is he about to to imply that she is on her period? Would a glass of wine help relax you? Oh, no, he's about to... uh, Try and get her drunk. Yep, that's great. (sighs) She was tempted to walk over to the bar, pour herself a shot of bourbon, and drink it neat. Hard liquor wasn't usually her style, but it seemed appropriate for the occasion. (laughs) Still, she didn't let the temptation override her better judgment. She needed her wits about her tonight, so she managed a tight nod. White wine would be fine. White wine is pretty good. 
I believe there's a chilled bottle of Chardonnay in the refrigerator. <laughs> he said, bringing it out. The Jekyll Winery, 1996. The what? <laughs> a good year. Taking a corkscrew from the drawer, he began to expertly open the bottle. Uh, of course. She watched him for a moment before observing. Perhaps I'd feel more comfortable if we were trading intimate information rather than having you do all the prying. And again, she is his boss. I'm so tired. Truly. Like, this is hilarious, but also, you know the Ben Affleck meme where he's standing outside of the, like, outside of some random building? And it looks like he's on the roof and he has the cigarette. And he's like... (sighs) That's how you feel every time you read a Harlequin? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it's, it's, don't get me wrong, I truly enjoy it. It's hilarious, but also... (sighs) This is man. Anyway. She stopped casting around in her mind for the equivalent of the nosy questions he'd asked her. (laughs) Sexual questions. Prying wasn't usually her style, but she studied one of his broad shoulders as she asked. What? Where did you have your first girl? In the backseat of a car? Oh, my God. And oh, yeah, how old were you? She had the momentary satisfaction of seeing the hand on the corkscrew falter, but that was the only sign that his composure had slipped. That isn't necessarily information that I'd share with my mistress, unless I'm the kind of man who likes to brag about my sexual conquests. Aren't you, though? Are you? (laughs) What did I just say? He pulled the cork from the bottle, took two long-stemmed glasses from the cabinet, and began to pour the wine. The persona I'm creating for Olivia, for Oliver Reynard, probably would. There you go. He allowed as he handed her a glass, then pick, picked up his own and took a small sh- a small swallow before answering. It was the summer I was 15. My father had an old army buddy, Ed Wyatt, whose family were f- we were friendly with. Their daughter, Bethany, was 17. <laughs> Bethany? Hi, my name's Bethany Wyatt. Oh my god. God, I feel like I probably wanted to sucker punch her in middle school. Probably. Yeah. And also, of course, he was 15. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, God. Their daughter, Bethany, (laughs) was 17, and I was attracted to her. I mean... That's a bit of a given, but okay. I love how he says that like it's like a surprise or something. But since she was two years older, I didn't think I had a chance. We were staying at the Wyatt's house for a long weekend, and the two sets of parents went out for the evening. I was in the den, feeling nervous about being alone with Bethany. Bethany. So I was standing in front of the television, turning the channels, trying to find some show that would take my mind off her. Oh, God. Oh, no. She instantly came up behind me, reached around my waist, and put her hand on my cock. What? It says cock. It says cock. Okay. And I understand the appeal of the word cock when you're turned on. But this is fine. No. Out of being turned on and in the middle of a scene, the word cock is objectively hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. He took another sip of wine, his eyes locked on Maddie's face. 
Her mouth was dry, but she didn't reach for her glass because for the moment she had lost the ability to move. I got instantly hard. <laughs> I thought I was going to embarrass myself right there and then. He thought he was going to come on the spot. But she knew what she was doing. She was obviously experienced. I knew he was going to say that. And she got both of us out of our clothes. And me into her in record time. Oh! You had to say it like that. Buddy. Oh, that is disgusting. His eyes had taken on a faraway look. This is so gross. Oh my god, no. Oh god. I can't Read. believe I'm reading this. Read. I thought that first time was incredible. The second time, she slowed things down a little, started showing me how to touch a woman and kiss her for maximum pleasure. Ew. The third time, he shrugged. That was when she gave me a lesson in oral sex. Oh my god, why are you talking about this? Well, Maddie she, did ask. She asked about the first time. <laughs> she didn't care about anything no, else. No, 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 no. The way it was phrased was, where did you have your first girl? Okay, fine. fine. So... She did leave room open for elaboration. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. For all of us. Maddie couldn't help it. She felt dampness gather between her legs. Oh my god, they did say she was wet. And that's a drink because just say she's dampness. fucking wet. Dampness. If you are, like, especially if you've just had sex, and again, he came inside of her, <laughs> just a minor detail from last time he did come <laughs> he straight up creep eyed her yes it she will not just be damp she will be wet 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 liquid she should be shocked but it wasn't difficult to imagine the teenage bethany seducing 15 year old jack he was a stunningly masculine man oh my god the girl must have taken his untapped sensuality as a challenge Oh, that is so creepy. That oh, is so creepy. Like, yeah, sure, they were both in high school. What is your point? As a, I, oh, oh. Also, sensuality. Sensual, fuck. That was, uh, uh, that was on the list. We just forgot to write it. Yep. Right, the other things that um, are on the rule list that we forgot to write down for this one. Any use of the word, of the words sexual appeal, sensuality, um... Sex goddess or sex, sex goddess god. Sex goddess or sex god. Um, and exotic. And for the record, if you're wondering why we didn't just, you know, write them all down when they came to us, we both have ADHD. <laughs> yes. Which is explanation enough. Yeah. The girl, wait, the, there it is. And as a gift that her parents had unwittingly given her. She could imagine the fevered scene, the sexual energy of the teenage couple. Ew! And then there was the element of secrets shared. Naughty secrets. Oh! The teenagers pulling something over their parents. What? As if his thinking were paralleling hers, he said, Our folks never suspected. Not even when I snuck down the hall ne the next night and into her bed. Dude. He laughed. 
We had a few more mind-blowing visits back and forth that summer. Then she went away to college the next year and came home with a sophomore guy in tow. I was still in high school, and she wouldn't give me the time of day. That was a real blow to my ego, especially since I knew exactly what she and the guy were doing in her bedroom at night. Oh, come on! Also, the fact that she was close enough to 18 that she was almost in college makes me even more uncomfortable with this. Yeah, 15, 15 and 18 is... Like, even 15, no. and, even 15 and 17 bordering 18. Like, if, if you're... 15 like, and 17 bordering on 18 is a little questionable. Yeah. Yeah. With a jerky motion, Maddie picked up her glass and took a gulp. What about you? Jack asked, his voice turning low and silky, his gaze probing her own secrets. Probing her. What about what? Your first time. Oh boy. Um, also, I have a feeling it's about to start talking about sexual assaults. Oh god. And potential rape. Oh god. So, big fucking content warning for that. Yeah. Unwanted memories flooded her. Her first time. She'd been 16. A bad age for making sexual decisions. What? She'd been dating Ben Hemsley. <laughs> Okay. And afraid that he was going to lose interest in her. He was a rich kid whose parents were friends with the Winston family, and she was the daughter of the hired help. Of course she was. But he'd taken up with her, and she liked hanging around with him. Liked pretending that she fit in with his fast lane lifestyle. So when he'd started putting pressure on her to go all the way, she'd agreed to let him do it to her. To let him what? Do it to her. Sweetie, no. They'd met in the boathouse at his father's estate, and it had been a painful, thoroughly unromantic experience. Too fast, too frightening, too humiliating, at least for her. Ben had wallowed in the afterglow of his conquest. She'd felt cheap and used, and she'd vowed that no man would take advantage of her like that again. That degrading experience was one of the reasons why she was careful about her sexual partners. One of the reasons why she never let a man push her into anything she wasn't ready for. You just did, though. Until tonight. Until Jack. Does she realize how big of a red flag this is? The fact that she is literally actively comparing Jack to the her first sexual abuser. This is awful. Well, that wasn't fair, she corrected herself. She might have needed needed a little push, but she'd certainly been ready. <coughs> she took another swallow of the wine, trying to blot out the long-ago scene. It was something she seldom thought about, but Jack had brought it back. That's called a mocking a memory. Yes. Also, um, we are done with the um, trigger warning. Um, feel free to resume. Yes. And she couldn't exactly blame him, she silently admitted. She was the one who'd pushed him into his own revelation, and he was simply turning the tables. Okay. He was still waiting for her to say something. His hand clenched around the stem of the glass as she answered his question. I don't think your mistress is willing to share that particular experience with you. Nice. Which, good on her for establishing boundaries. Yes. I'm just nervous as to what his reaction is going to be. Me too. He was watching her with an unnerving intensity, and she wished she were more adept at hiding her emotions. Oh, baby. 
Unable to cope with his probing gaze, she poured herself more wine and downed half the contents of the glass. Don't do that. Careful, Jack said mildly. You want to keep a clean head. For what? Studying the material I brought. <laughs> Perhaps we should start with some visual aids. Oh, what no, the no, fuck no, does no. that mean? Is there a dick pic in there? Can you? That's one fucking way to get your to send a fucking dick pic. I like guess. this is the most elaborate setup. Someone's daughter has just run away. You're in the CIA. You bring her fucking. She she asks for your help. You bring her the contents, and while she's flipping through, there's just a picture of a penis. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be awful. Right. Yeah. Crossing to the table, he shuffled through the folders he'd brought and withdrew several glossy photographs which he handed to her. They all showed the same man. Some were in color, some in black and white. Most had obviously been shot with a telephoto lens. Raynard, I take it, Maddie said. Yes. She studied the crime lord. He was slim and he was slim with neatly cut hair, lean cheeks, and narrow lips. There was nothing remarkable about him if you discounted the piercing eyes. Oh. They seemed to be staring at her, probing her deepest thought, though she was only looking at photographs. Do you think we should install a rule for the word probing? How drunk do you want to be? <laughs> Seriously, I don't, I don't trust. I, I don't know if that's a good idea, but if, if it comes up again in the chapter, we'll drink. Okay. <clears throat> He'd be a form formidable opponent. She knew that much. Having his own island would make him arrogant and ruthless. Ruthless. Striving for detachment, she sorted through the pictures. Some had probably been taken 20 years ago and showed a man who looked like he was in his late 20s or early 30s. The more recent ones depicted someone in his early 50s, still vigorous and very sure of himself. Vigorous? That means handsome. No, that means he's built. I wonder how big the bulge is. Yeah. I can guarantee that Vigorous is referring to the bulge. Or she just thinks that he's a dill. Yeah, you know I'm right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not many men can afford a private island with all the trimmings, she said. How did he manage it? He inherited wealth. His father, Bruce Reynard. Come on! saw the potential of electrical appliances when the industry was at its infancy. He started manufacturing stuff like vacuum cleaners, toasters, electric irons, radios, things that would make life easier and more pleasant for people who could afford them. He exploited the new rush toward consumerism. Oliver's vision of humanity was, is, darker. He saw the potential for corruption, gambling, drugs, prostitution, his stock in trade is human frailty, frailty, and he made it pay off big, bigger than the happy little world of household conveniences. The FBI was after him, so he solved his problems by going offshore, where they can't touch him. So in short, he made fat stacks. <laughs> But why would he go after Stan Winston's daughter? I mean, how does he even know Stan? He and Winston go way back. Their fathers were business rivals. 
and it seems that Winston cut him out of some lucrative manufacturing deals when he was looking for legitimate ways to launder his dirty money. Oh my god. It's too bad Dawn got caught in the middle. Maddie nodded. As she set the photographs down, Jack unfolded a large large sheet of paper which he spread out for their inspection. It was a full-color aerial view of Orchid Island, taken either from a low-flying plane or a sky sa- or a spy satellite. She'd used similar photos to study the security of various Winston facilities, but the detail never ceased to amaze her. Looking at the legend, she saw the island was seven miles long and two miles wide. She could see surf foaming along the white sand that gave way at intervals to a rocky shoreline. Near the eastern end of the irregular rectangle, a cone-shaped mountain rose from a dense swath of greenery. Okay, I'm sorry, but what other shape do mountains come in? Square? But mountains, by definition... I'm kidding. I'm... I'm being sarcastic. I'm so upset. That was so redundant. She just... She needed to throw an adjective in there. Like, the editor opened it and was like, you need some more adjectives in there. And she was like, I mean, I guess. But, like, what am I supposed to say about a mountain? I mean, it's just like a cone. And he was like, all right, just write it as a cone. That's probably what happened. (laughs) Development was at the western end, which had been cleared of its natural jungle covering and landscaped with lush tropical vegetation. Wait, lush. Lush. That was also a word. No, it's luscious. No, we also had the word lush. It's not talking about a person. We, We drank one time when it was about a carpet. Fine. Commanding a view of the widest beach was a sprawling building that looked like it took up several acres. Farther inland, scores of modest bungalows were lined along narrow roads. Jack leaned over Maddie, his arms brushing hers, stirring a current of awareness through her as he began to point out the features of the island. She slid him a sidewise glance. He looked cool and unruffled, while she was unable to control her reaction to him. Also, I just googled how big an acre is. An acre is 43,560 square feet. That building cannot be several acres. Considering the size of the island? Yes. That is not how buildings work. That's not how land works. That's not how land... That's not... It is unreasonable for a building to be that large. Also, I I, I, I highly doubt that there were literally any, I think it would be civic engineers, Mm -hmm. who were like, yeah, I'll take on this completely random project in the middle of nowhere that makes no sense as being built on sand. (laughs) Like, I'm sure he was was paying them, like, boatloads of money, but still, that would be really hard to convince those dudes, those people, I guess. It took several seconds before she turned back in to what he was saying as he pointed to a long, narrow building. This is the customs area. It's manned by extra guards, and they're likely to search our luggage. Reynard will have us taken into custody if he finds anything on his forbidden list. Oh, God. Like what? Sex-wise? God forbid a woman have some pleasure. Literally, my first thought was, one of the forbidden items is almost definitely dildos and vibrators. Yep. Because with the way he was described last chapter... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Does that mean we can't bring a transmitter? If we can't call for help, what are what are our plans for getting off the island? Do we have to steal a boat? 
Okay, that's... I've weighed the risks and the advantages. I think we can get away with communications equipment if we hide it in your makeup kit. Oh, come on. She swallowed. So she would be the one who'd be caught red-handed if anything went wrong. Of course. All she said was, okay. People pleaser, people pleaser. And of course, there's no way we can send the long message. We'd be detected. It would have to be a spurt. Spurt. I'm not going to pretend I know what a spurt is. She snapped. <laughs> it's a compressed transmission sent in a quick burst of characters. That way, the enemy can't get a fix on the radio's location. She nodded. The enemy, she thought. Yes, Raynard was the enemy, all right. Jack was pointing toward a group of buildings set on paths that wound through, through landscaped grounds. Some of our guests stay on these, in these villas. If things were out, work out right, we'll be assigned to one. Better for a quick getaway? She asked. That and... They're an indication of status. Only the highest-ranking guests get them. By the way, he went on, I've picked names for us. Of course you have. I'm going to be Jack Craig. You'll be Maddie Griffin. Get used to it. Maddie Griffin is a better name than Maddie, Maddie fucking Guthrie. Guthrie. I will. She paused. But isn't he going to know their false identities? Won't she do background research on us, the same way we're doing research on him? I mean, I can't believe he's not very careful about who comes to his private little country. He's very careful, but I've set it up so that we should check out. First, remember that Jack Craig would go to enormous lengths to hide his personal business from the world. But I've gotten some little tidbits salted into the databases he's likely to use for background checks. And I've arranged for a couple key informants to back up the Jack Craig alias. Okay, but what about her? Yeah, she hasn't done anything. No, what about Maddie Griffin? Oh, I, I guess he's coming to that, but like... What about her alias? Well, she's supposed to be just the bimbo, right? She has no... She is not a person. God. <laughs> Maddie opened her mouth to ask for details when a knock sounded at the door. You're right! There's nothing about her. Oh my god. Also, why is she asking all the questions? Does she know nothing? She's his boss. Well, no. He's the one that has all the information on Orchid Island, though. Ugh. Because of course he is. Because she has to be vulnerable with him. Jack, Jack straightened and called out. Come in. A waiter in black slacks and a starched white coat wheeled in a cart covered with covered dishes. Would you like me to serve the meal, ma'am? The man asked her. Before she could answer, Jack spoke up. We can do it ourselves. Thank you very much. As soon as the man left, he turned back to Maddie. I'd like you to change for dinner. I'm comfortable in this. I want you to get comfortable with some of the other clothing you'll be wearing on the island. He wants to see your belly button. Outfits drug lord Jack Craig would have chosen to show off your charms. Oh, no. Crossing to the closet, he opened the door and began sliding hangers along the pole as he inspected evening wear. Finally, he pulled out a turquoise sleeveless chiffon knee-length gown with a plunging draped back. Matching slingback pumps and a pair of ivory pantyhose were in a heavy plastic bag attached to the hanger. 
Ivory pantyhose? What is she, five? Not tights, pantyhose. Pantyhose is fancier than tights. No. At least that's what I was taught. Well, yeah, but the last thing that I can, the, the only reason that I can think of someone to wear white pantyhose is because they are a five-year-old at a dance recital. So that would be sexy if you took away the pantyhose. I have a feeling uh, Rebecca York used the word ivory thinking it meant like like a peach skin color. Or she thought it meant black. This is so bad. <laughs> I'd like to see you in this. The tone of voice was the one he'd used earlier when he'd been ordering her to strip for him, aka oh fake Dom. God. And it set off a friction along her nerve endings. Appalled at her reaction, she called up a touch of anger. Anger at his arrogance. Good. And anger because she hated admitting he was right. Getting comfortable in this clothing was essential. So she snatched the gown away from him and headed for the bathroom down the hall. Lose the bra. Excuse me? He called after her. Because it's a backless dress, you can't know that this woman who is grown has tits. Has has a pair of bahonkadonks. <laughs> well, no, you're supposed to know that the bahonkadonks are there because you can stare at them, but you're not, but you're supposed, not supposed to know... know that they need to be held in place because they're supposed to be perky on their own. Don't you remember? And they're not supposed to do anything negative to your back if they're too heavy. I, wait, my, wait. my assumption is that she's a C cup. Like a solid C, maybe a D. Oh, she's not a D cup. Because then she would be, because then it would be too much. Biting back an angry retort, she slammed the bathroom door behind her. After pulling off her blouse and slacks, she hesitated for a moment. Then she unhooked her bra and laid it on top of the discarded clothing. You are his boss. And again, I just, for the love of God, this is such bad doming. I know. Like, if you want, if you want to dominate, have discussions. Yeah. Please! Honestly. Slipping into the dress, she closed the zipper and adjusted the bodice. The color was perfect for her, but the fabric clung to her breasts, clearly showing the outline of her nipples. Okay, she thought we're of, sipping for that. She thought about disobeying orders and putting the bra back on, but that was out of the question, she decided as she turned and looked over her shoulder in the mirror. The back plunged so low that the band would surely show. And you're not allowed to know that a woman is wearing a bra. Fuck you. I think she means the brand, the band of her panties. No, she definitely means the band of her bra. Oh, for the love of... Also, clearly showing the outline of her nipples. I told you, he just wants to see her tits. And again, if it's clearly showing the outline of her nipples or whatever, that means that her nipples could cut glass right now. Yeah. <laughs> At least the skirt had a fair amount of softly draped fabric so that it swirled around her legs rather than hugging them. Quickly, she pulled on the pantyhose and the slingback and the slingbacks. They added three inches to her height, Jesus. putting her on a more equal footing with Mr. Cool. Mr. Cool? <laughs> if she didn't trip and fall on her face. Come on. She rarely wore shoes this ridiculous. Bella Swan, is that you? No. No, this is, um, I'm not like other girls. I'm the daughter of a security chief. I also know how to do things. 
but act dumb when men tell me how to do them because I love being pushed around. Go to therapy. Practicing was definitely a good idea. Turning, turning again, she studied herself in the mirror. She hadn't bothered to put on any makeup after her shower, and suddenly it seemed as if she wasn't doing the dress justice. Determined to make an impression on the man awaiting her return, she yanked open a drawer and pulled out the makeup kit that she'd seen earlier. It appeared the colors had been chosen for her. Quickly, she brushed on two tones of eyeshadow, then applied liner and mascara. Wait, just liner? Is she not putting on lipstick? No, eyeliner. Oh, okay. I was like, did she line her lips and then leave it at that? Obviously eyeliner, sir. What are you talking about? Okay, fine. I got so confused for a second. After smoothing on foundation and blusher, she started outlining her lips. When she'd filled in the outline with a lighter color, she stood back to inspect the effect. Like the high heels, the coating of war paint was far from her standard choice. Uh... Also, I have things to say about that because I am someone who enjoys makeup. Um, you don't put on foundation after the mascara. Yeah, seriously. And second, Even I know that. Even you know that, and you don't even know how to do makeup. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I did dance for six years. I should know how to do fucking makeup. If you put on lip... If you put on, put on lip liner that is darker than your lipstick, you are going to look like, and I say this with all respect to you, Corbin, a drag queen. But she'd attended enough formal affairs to know how to turn herself out to, to advantage. Okay. And she was pleased with the results. As a final touch, she undid the pin at the back of her neck and brushed out her hair so that it floated around her face. Oh, shut up. What took you so long? Jack demanded when she sauntered back down the hall to the meeting room. Or as much of a saunter as she could manage in those heels. They're three-inch heels. I walked... When I was in school, I wore those every day. Fuck me. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway. These things take time, she murmured. He looked up, and she had the satisfaction of seeing his eyes flash with green fire before he recovered himself. <sighs> Will this do? She asked in a <laughs> silky voice. Silky. Help. Yes. He clipped out, unco uncovered one of the plates from the cart, and slammed it onto the table. Why is he pissed? He managed to transfer the second one more gently. Seriously, why is he so upset? She just put on makeup. I don't know. I can literally think of no justification for him to be this angry. I think she's trying to show that he's, like, horny? But it's coming off as if he's got anger issues. I mean, he does, but that's... He does, yeah. Yeah. In her absence, he'd spread a white cloth, set up the napkins and cutlery, and poured water into long-stemmed glasses. Aw, so he does So he does actually do something that makes him competent. Cute. She noted, with a tinge of surprise, that he'd gotten everything in the right places. <laughs> a feat which her own father had never been able to manage. That's hilarious. When Spike Guthrie had set a table, it had looked like the knives, spoons, and forks had clattered down from the ceiling, either because he was protesting doing woman's work... Oh. Or he really didn't know their proper placement. Dude. She never determined which. So Jack Connors, or Jack Craig, was more civilized than he looked. Well, at least he knew the amenities of table service. I am in pain. She might have asked if he'd been a waiter at some time in his career. 
but she decided not to press her luck. <laughs> so she simply pulled out her chair and sat down. Uh, we are now switching because there is a chapter break and y'all get to hear Sir Crush read. Uvu. Oliver Reynard swirled amber cognac in his glass, then took an appreciative sip. Leaning back in his favorite leather chair, he thumbed through the various lists that had been prepared by the heads of his department. The executive chef, the head gardener, the recreation director, the ordnance officer. He was having one of his magnifique parties in a few days, and no detail was too small to escape his notice. The food, the assignment of the guest rooms, the number of uniformed guards and extra personnel in the public areas, the newly enhanced check-in procedures at the customs area. He set down his glass on the marble-topped antique table, then picked up his gold pen and jotted a notation on one of the menus. More tropical fruit at the opening reception. <laughs> then he flipped to the list of, the housing, of housing assignments to see how his maintenance staff was coming with the video and sound recording equipment. He wanted it in perfect working order in every guest room with double backup systems. Better safe than sorry. If one of his guests was planning to stab him in the back, he wanted to know about it quickly so the threat could be neutralized. It paid to be thorough. Thorough. His father had forgotten that little fact, and the omission had gotten him killed. Oliver was determined that nothing of the sort would happen to him. He was planning to live out a long and satisfying life on this private island domain that he'd purchased 20 years ago with money he'd set aside from his inheritance. Thinking about his father made his features contort. Absolutely. Oh, so he has daddy issues. I mean, yeah. He's, he's a character in a Harlequin. Of course he has daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. The old man had been a legitimate businessman. In the outside world, he had earned a reputation for respectability. But at home and within his own company, he'd been a tyrant, lording it over everyone under him, making rules just for the fun of tripping people up, especially his only son. But Oliver had turned the tables on his father very nicely. He'd dumped enough sugar into the fuel line of his private plane to make it crash off the Atlantic coast? This man killed his father. Th yeah. Cool, so he has really bad daddy issues. Mm -hmm. Now he was the one in charge, making the rules. Making everyone who lived on Orchid Island or who came here as his guests conform to his policies. His other goals were showing visitors from the mainland that they could have a better time here than anywhere else on Earth, showing them how well he lived and showing them that he was lord and master of this island. Are all the men here going to be bad doms? Likely. He loved those aspects of the parties, the control, the aura of excitement, the undertone of sexuality that his male guests found so stimulating. Some of his most lucrative business deals had been made with men who were thinking with their cocks instead of their brains. I'm drinking. Yeah, me too. That shit is disgusting. He loved using sex to confuse the issues and manipulate powerful men. Okay, there's definitely an implication here that he's fucking them. <laughs> a little bit. Like that he's the one fucking the men. Massive gay orgy? Mm. I mean, hey, it would be way more interesting Harlequin than most of the shit we've read. That's a good point, except he's the villain, so that's questionable. That's a good point. <laughs> and he loved inviting new people to his lair from time to time. 
Oh. Like Jack Craig and a couple of the others in the party. Craig was something of an anomaly, of course. He'd sent words through an acquaintance less than a week ago that he'd like to come down to the island to discuss a very lucrative deal. Oliver had given his okay to have Craig included, but he was still in the process of having the man investigated. And if he didn't check out, Craig and his companion wouldn't be coming home with the rest of the merrymakers. He turned back to his lists, noting the security arrangements at the Dark Tower, capital D, capital T, where his very special guest was being held. Stan Winston's daughter. Winston's most prized possession. Oliver had a long memory for wrongs done him in the past, and he had been waiting for the chance to pay Winston back for screwing him out of several important manufacturing deals. Deals that would have channeled a great deal of money into legitimate enterprises. How much money, how much more money do you need? He's greedy. He doesn't care. So when the opportunity to snatch the girl had come up, he'd leaped on it. But the party leader, what are you doing? Something I do, I pick hairs off of my sir's shirts because he sheds like a fucking cat in heat. (laughs) What? I don't know if cats actually shed when they're in heat. I just need They don't. He sheds like a fucking animal. Um, Thank you. That's a great description. I pick the hair off of him frequently, and he thinks it's absolutely fucking hilarious. And it also tickles. So when the opportunity to snatch the girl had come up, he'd leaped on it. But the party later in the week meant that he'd have to put any decisions about her on hold. Maybe he'd even return her to Winston, only slightly the worse for wear, if Winston came up with the right price. He was still thinking about what he wanted. Not money. Some terms that would humiliate the man, put him in Oliver Reynard's debt. But that was only one interesting possibility. It might be more satisfying to return her in a coffin and demonstrate that he had absolute power over Winston's life. Chapter break, and I am getting dizzy, so here you go. Yeah, there's a reason he doesn't read too much. Yes. The steak was good. Broiled just the way Maddie liked it. Of course it was. The baked potatoes, excellent. Not steamed in foil, but delicate and fluffy, so that they mixed perfectly with the sour cream, chives, and bacon bits that were provided as garnishes. Hot. Winston Industries knows how to cook. Jack commented as he cut off another piece of tender... Juicy steak. <laughs> Only the best for Stan, for Stan Winston. Oh, wait, fuck, no. <clears throat> Only the best for Stan Winston. <laughs> the comment came from the man himself. He was standing in the doorway, looking like an earthquake victim. His hair was uncombed. His clothes might have been slept in for the past month. And the lines in his face had deepened to furrowed channels. Jesus. Mr. Winston, Maddie murmured, come join us. I'm sure the kitchen can send up something for you. Thanks, but I'm not hungry. What's that accent you're doing? I don't know. (laughs) He pulled out a chair at the table and sat down. Maddie nodded. Despite her invitation, it was impossible for her to talk to the man, to be in the same room room with him without feeling guilty. Oh, honey. The dinner that had seemed so appealing a few minutes ago as might as well have turned to library paste. What the fuck is library paste? I think it's the shit that they used to glue books with. That's offensive to libraries. (laughs) Don't let me interrupt you, Winston said. I was just wondering how your plans were going. We've been establishing the personas we're going to project for me, Jack said. He had also put down his his knife and fork. 
and I would take detailed aerial, aerial photos of the island. Let me say that, Winston said eagerly. The dinner forgotten, Maddie jumped up and brought the pictures, self-conscious in the revealing dress. But Stan barely glanced at her. That Jack, poor man. Jack stood too, coming over to point out the features he'd shown to he'd shown Maddie. Where do you think the bastard is holding Dawn? Winston asked. Anything I tell you now can only be a guess, Jack answered. He could have her in the main house. Or someone else on the island, somewhere else on the island. The distraught father took the news badly. This is all my fault, he whispered. No, how can you say that? Ugh. Maddie asked. I mean, it kind of is his fault, considering she probably ran away because he's a bit of a neglectful prick. <laughs> At least that's just my assumption. Oh, who knows at this point. He turned his face toward her. I know you're still blaming yourself, even after I told you that it was nonsense. I've even, I've been working up the guts to explain what was really in that girl's head. You can't know her thoughts, Maddie protested. I can make an educated guess. What happened was that Don blamed me for her mother's death last year. Jill and I had had a fight the night she died, and she was angry when she got into her sports car. That's why she was driving too fast and missed the turn on Thunder Road. He heaved a sigh. Since then, Dawn has barely spoken to me, and I've been so afraid that something would happen to her, too, that I've kept her under virtual house arrest. That's why she planned her escape, to get away from me. Now both of us are paying the price. I mean, you and me. We both think it's our fault. Only I'm the one responsible, not you. So I was right. Yeah, Ben Affleck tired me. Maddie's heart ached for the man. Okay. We'll get her back, she murmured. You have to. Winston said, or I won't be able to live with myself. I'm sorry, did he just kill Trevor? Just, you have to do this thing for me, or I'm gonna straight up walk into the ocean. <laughs> he thought about this for a little too long, and now he just wants to walk into the ocean. If you don't know that's John Mulaney bit, go, go um, watch his stuff right now. She moved into the background while Jack took over, emphasizing the research he'd done and offering reasonable strategies for Don for getting Don back. His speech was reassuring, even though Maddie knew that much of the presentation was designed to lift the man's spirits. Jack kept up the encouraging monologue as they walked Sam Winston to the door. The man was profuse in his thanks. You made him feel better, she said when the door had closed behind him. I'm praying we can deliver on those promises. She nodded. She hadn't thought Jack Connors was the praying type. But then there was so little she knew about him. And yet you fucked him. There are so many things wrong with this fucking book! And we are going to enjoy all of them. And like, I feel like, I feel like this is a really nice thing uh, for aspiring authors to know. If you think that your work is bad, this is a published novel. <laughs> Read this is a physical, published novel that you can purchase for real money. That a human being took a look at. Multiple human beings took, look, took a look at and said, yeah, this is something that I want in my house. And then bought it. And we are different because I bought this as a blind grab box. Well, obviously. And you also bought it for $5. I'm talking about the people who bought these for like 15 each. Well, the single books. 
Uh, this one was five twenty five Canadian. Really? Yeah, no. The entire box. There was like sixty four books in that box too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we counted them. So, you're never gonna get rid of us. <laughs> she started to turn away, but she was so tired that when one of her stilt-like shoes caught in the rug, she stumbled. Oh God! Jack's arm shot out, catching her, and she it. tumbled into his arms. There was a shocked moment when her body registered the lean form and the hard muscles of him. Wait, hard muscles, hard and muscles. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Do I need to keep counting? When her breasts flattened against his chest, when her fatigue fell away to be replaced by a sharp stab of sexual need. Four. Four? four. Christ, in a single... I, I was about to say, you know, I've been drinking a lot, and then there's four in one paragraph. <laughs> Um, yeah, there are some chapters that are, like, very plot-heavy, or at least as plot-heavy as a Harlequin can be. While her fucking nipples are out. Um, so there's the more plot-heavy chapters where we're going to be drinking and commenting less, but it's very necessary to establish the plot so that we can make more fun of it. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Oh, God. This is... Do I need to start counting? She sucked in a breath. Felt his large hand slide down her back. Dude. And she knew in that moment that the surge of sexual excitement wasn't one-sided. He was aroused. (laughs) And as his hold shifted on her, a sudden tantalizing image swirled in her head. An image of what they had done together and what they might do. But the whole supercharged instant lasted only seconds. Before she could blink, he was setting her away from him, transferring her hand from his shoulder to the back of a chair. It's been a long day, he said gruffly, as though the only thing that had happened was that she'd tripped and he'd caught her. She nodded wordlessly. She'd thought he was indifferent to her, that their tumble on the bed had represented only a momentary burst of pleasure for him. Their what? Momentary, their tumble on the bed. Also, by the way, we have two queued up. Now she wondered if she'd been too quick to assess his reactions. Sweetie pie. Go home and get some sleep. We'll start again in the morning. And change out of those shoes before you kill yourself. Dude! He added. Okay. Two drinks. Yeah. She didn't have the energy to come back with her retort. Or the courage to ask him what he was feeling. But at least she made an effort to straighten her shoulders as she marched back down the hall. Jack wasn't in the room when she returned. She'd never thought of him as a coward. Now she wondered if he'd deliberately made made himself scarce. I mean, yeah. The speculation had a buoying effect as she rode down in the elevator. It was after ten, but there was no problem getting a ride home. Winston Industries maintained a fleet of private cars with drivers always on duty, and Maddie had no qualms about using their services tonight. Of course he did. Just, you know, hey... Casual exposition about how she got home. <laughs> you know, so she doesn't get attacked. In that nipply dress. Twenty minutes later, she was saying hello to a doorman at the Upper East Side apartment building. Just off Lexington Avenue, it was a small but exclusive residence for young executives. A luxury building by New York standards, where rents had gone through the roof. But she made a good enough salary to afford a two-bedroom unit. Wait, this is in New York? Of course this is in New York. <laughs> There's been no men just pissing out in the open. 
<laughs> Are you sure this is New York? Well, again, they've been in the very bougie part of New York so far. That's a good point. With one of the bedrooms outfitted as a home office. Callie's meow of protest greeted her as she unlocked the door and stepped into her small foyer. <gasps> she has a baby. Coming down on her knees, she stroked the calico cat's silky fur. Yes. Of course she has a calico named Callie. But that's so cute. Yes, it's cute that she has a cat. I'm disappointed that it's a calico named Callie. And of course it's a fucking calico. One of the more rare breeds. I don't think she meant it in like a she's special, but also but just because they're cute. I'm still judging. She could have said Persian. That's very true. Calico is very everywhere. It's fine. Sorry, sweetie. She apologized. I know I've been gone a long time, and I'm going to be gone even longer. She added with a pang thinking that the first thing she'd better do in the morning was call her friend Jan and arrange for cat-sitting. Tail Just up. casually men- um, mentioning her friend. Just, oh yeah, she's she is going to take care of her cat. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Tail up, Callie followed her onto the Berber carpet, then leaped into her lap, purring furiously as her mistress sat down on the corduroy sofa. Okie dokie. I'm deeply upset that they just referred to Maddie as a mistress. Because, let's be honest, this woman is not a mistress. Well, yeah, it's just, it's weird. I know, I'm just making fun of her. Maddie leaned back, closed her eyes, and stroked the cat with long sweeps of her hand that started at her head and went all the way down her tail. She was off. She swung her feet onto the old ship's hatch that she'd found at a flea market, refinished, and bolted metal legs bolted to metal legs so she could use it as a coffee table. I'm sorry, she just did that all by herself? Yeah, she found a ship's hatch uh, I I heard. and bolted legs to it. That's hot. My respect for Maddie just went up. Smiling, she listened to the sound of her pet's contented purring. Dogs were affectionate because it was programmed into them. If your cat sat in your lap and purred, you knew it was because she loved you. Or because she expected you were going to feed her, she added with a laugh. <laughs> After a few moments, she shifted the animal off her lap. Why would you do that? Never remove a sleeping kitty from your lap. I love you. You don't remove a sleeping animal from your lap. You just let them sit there and let your legs go numb. She shifted the animal off her lap and pat and padded into the kitchen to fill the food bowl. Seconds later, Callie was tromping away and Maddie was wandering toward the window to look out at the lights of the city. She'd lived in New York all her life, except when she was away on assignment or during summers at the Winston Estate. She loved the excitement of the city and loved the homey feel of her apartment. Usually, she was content here. Tonight, she felt restless. Use a vibrator. Use a fucking vibrator. Please use a dildo. She doesn't know what a vibrator is. Or at least make her finger herself something. She doesn't masturbate. That's dirty. Ugh. <laughs> she wandered across the room to the walnut bookshelves that spanned one wall and looked at the picture of herself and her father. It had been taken when she'd first joined the Winston Security Force, when she'd been infused with the passion to reach the top. Okay. Infused is a very odd word to use there. It really is. Also, I'm kind of disappointed. We haven't had we haven't had anything to drink in a while. 
Again, this is a uh, exposition chapter. She couldn't hold back a snort. She had what she'd always wanted. Only now the luster had worn off the prize. It wasn't just the fiasco with Dawn. It was Jack, she silently acknowledged. This afternoon, he'd made her realize how empty her life was, and she didn't like the realization. This just reminds me of Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Rosa, because, you know, she, does, she doesn't seem like the type to settle, and she seems pretty fucking happy about that. And so... She's chill with it. And it's just... It's not good to equate your happiness and worth to enough to settling down. With someone else. With someone else, yeah. Like, sure, settling down. Like, that slaps, I'm not gonna lie. But, like, your happiness doesn't have to depend on someone else. When the buzzer at the intercom sounded, she jumped. Then her heart began to pound as she crossed the room. Was he downstairs now? Had he forgotten to tell her something? Or did he simply want to see her? Uvu. Hello? She said as she pressed the buzzer. Maddie. Her disappointment was instant. It wasn't Jack. It was Ted Burns, who worked for her at Winston Ind- Industries. Who? Ted Burns. No, no, I heard. I just... Who? I, I'm very curious as to what the fuck this has to do with any of the story. Yeah, me too. Ted, what are you doing here? She asked. I'd like to talk to you. Can I come up? She glanced at the clock. It was 10.30, an unusual time for a visit. Absolutely not. It's important, he said. All right, I'll buzz you in. Don't. Glad that she'd changed back into her work outfit before coming home, she scuffed her shoes back on and smoothed her hair in the mirror. Seconds later, the chime sounded and she opened the door. Ted surged across the threshold, then came to an abrupt stop as Callie dashed directly in front of him and bounded into the bedroom. Baby. What was that? The Cannonball Express? He asked. My cat, she doesn't take to strangers. He won't see her again. I promise. He nodded, then turned in a circle, inspecting her living room. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, why did you stop by? As soon as she said the words, she knew she wasn't being very hospitable. It's 10.30 p.m., and this random guy just shows- Who works for you. Who works for you, just shows up at your door, out of nowhere. Are we sure this book was written by a woman? Because no sane woman would let some random dude in at 10.30, no matter how well she can defend herself. Ted shoved his hands into his pockets. He was a tall man, almost as tall as Jack. Ugh. And he was muscular. But while Jack was dark, Ted was fair. Oh my god. <laughs> Drinking. Mm-hmm. With blonde hair and what she thought of as Midwestern good looks. <laughs> you did... did the accent right. <laughs> I mean, I guess. He'd tried to date her a time or two, <gasps> but she'd made it clear that she didn't go out with employees. Oh, well, that changed with Jack, didn't it? And also, again, so not only is this a random guy who works for her at her door at 10.30pm, yeah. but he has previously made advances on her. Yeah. No, I wouldn't let someone like that in. I would be like, um... Later, we bitch. We talk tomorrow. Like... Get out of here. If you really need to talk to me, fucking... Call me. Call Why me or something. Why do you person? What the hell? Text me, even. Now, to her embarrassment, the recent episode with Jack leaped to her mind. 
Flustered, she turned toward the window so Ted couldn't see the flush that had crept into her cheeks. I guess you're tired. Maybe I shouldn't have come rushing over. No, you shouldn't have. He apologized. No, no, that's fine. No. I just had a pretty trying day, she answered, forcing herself to turn back to him. I know. You brought in Jack Connors to help you get Don Winston back. How do you know that? Oh, no. She inquired, making an effort to keep her voice even. People have seen him in the building. They put two and two together. She nodded tightly. Maddie, I wish you weren't going with him. Lord, another man trying to discourage her from doing her job. <laughs> Quietly, she asked. Why not? Ted looked down, then brought his gaze back to hers. I heard stuff about him. Like what? He sucked in a breath and let it out. Like he's not the most reliable partner for the job. I think you'd better explain that. Ted pressed his lips together. Okay. You know, he's ex-CIA. Do you know why he would be agency? He could make more money in the private sector with his own company. That may be true, but his leaving was the direct result of an assignment in Albania with a female partner. Uh-oh. He lost her. You mean she was killed? Maddie asked tightly. Okay, I swear to God, if she says or does another thing tightly, I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. So many jokes. And it was his fault. How do you know? She pressed. Ted hesitated. Confidential reports. Oh, shut up. Where did you get hold of something like that? I can't tell you. Ted, you work for me. <laughs> Finally! But in this case, I can't reveal my source. You're just going to have to trust me on this. Okay. Okay, what? Okay, I acknowledge that someone wants to discredit Jack Connors. And if you can't tell me who it is, I can't make an evaluation of the information. I can't tell you, he repeated. Then I'll take it for what it's worth. Ted folded his arms across his chest. You're confident that Jack Connors can protect your back? Yes, she answered, her voice ringing with conviction, because she couldn't drop out of this assignment, which meant her only chance was to trust Jack with her life. What? Or, you know, he's, he's given you... Kate, no. He's given her all of the information. Now she, she can just ditch him and do this with someone better. Like, she can, she can figure out a different way to get onto Orchid Island. She's not stupid. Wait, no, but Jack Craig, quote-unquote, did already phone in and say that he was going to show up with a partner... And if he shows up, and if someone else shows up with Maddie instead of him, then they're fucked. She wouldn't be able to do the assignment with anyone else. True. And again, this is literally just about her wiping her conscience. Yes, absolutely. Even though literally everyone is telling her it's not her fault, because it isn't. She was literally drugged. Ted stood there, staring at her as though he thought she was making a serious mistake. Desperate to change the subject, she said, Jack and I both think that Don might have had help escaping from the Winston compound. That makes sense, Ted answered, his voice tight. Okay, I'm drinking. <laughs> I don't care that it wasn't her voice. If a voice is tight and you say it three times in two pages, I'm drinking. Beetlejuice. Do you have any idea who might have aided her? Actually, I've done some thinking about that myself, he answered quickly. One of the maids in the household is new. I'm redoing her background check. And there's a gardener who was friendly with Don. I'm having him investigated, too. Okay, it was definitely him. Mm-hmm. Like, Ted. Yes. 
He got in there way too fast. Thank you for getting on that. I thought you'd want the information. Yes, she murmured, shifting her weight from one foot to the other. Why don't we continue this discussion in my office tomorrow? You know, in the normal setting? Ted didn't take the hint. Dude. Who's going to be in charge of security while you're gone? He asked suddenly. Oh, so, so Ted's power hungry. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, she answered. Ted was one of her chief candidates, which he probably realized. But she wasn't going to discuss that now. And she wasn't going to make any decisions until she had time to review the, the recent work records of her senior staff. Ted took a step back. Leave. Well, I guess I'd better go. Finally. He looked up at her. You won't, uh, tell Connors I spoke to you about the Albania, will you? Of course not, she answered, reaching to open the door. Goodbye. Ted nodded tightly, then departed as quickly as he had come leaving her with thoughts that were even more unsettled than they had been earlier in the evening. Do you want to take another sip for Tidely? Yep. So, that was chapter two. All of that was chapter two. I am... I feel like I have just gone through a battle. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was... It sure as fuck wasn't that. No. Also, I think I just caught the, the phrase baby daddy in one of the pages you were skimming. Oh, Lord. I am I am scared. <laughs> I am so scared. Oh, Lord. Anyway. so Chapter three, Maddie gets pregnant? I swear to God, if there's a fucking pregnancy thing in this, I'm stopping the book and we're starting a new one. You can't tell me there's anything sexy I about pregnancy. I thought there pregnancy. was going to be more sex in this one. Well, that was kind of the point of the whole blaze thing. And yet, here we are. Yeah, whatever. I mean, there was sex in the first chapter, which is new. True. And the whole nipple action. Yeah, just the casual, like... (laughs) Her nipples could cut glass. Constantly. (laughs) Well, if you're around a man like Jack Connors, how else could you possibly feel? Yeah. (laughs) anyway i'm gonna stop now please anyway this has been sub corbin curio and sir crush velvet and this has been the harlequin drinking game. game